0: story you're bursting to tell the world? Are you sick of being rejected by the publishing establishment? Do you want to inject a little punk rock DIY ethos into your indie author career? Join me, best-selling indie author Steph Green, for Rage Against the Manuscript, where we explore how to tell your story, find your readers, and build a badass author brand. For more info, Check out our website at www.RageAgainstTheManuscript.com Hey writers, it's Steph here and welcome to another episode of Rage Against The Manuscript, the podcast. Today I'm going to be talking about what life is like as a full-time author, so some of the awesome stuff about being full-time and some of the not-so-awesome stuff. And the reason I'm doing this is because I think, well, in part it's because I often get questions about this, you know, what is your routine like, Um, you you know, what's it like being home alone all the time, and partly I think it's just really cool if, if this is your dream, you know, if you really want to be a full time author, I think it's really cool to kind of look at what the reality of that might actually mean for you on a day to day basis. And so, yeah, so that's what I'm doing. So I'm recording this in my home office, uh, which is filled with bookshelves that my dad and my husband made, and they're pretty cool. And I've got the heater blasting, and I've got one cat asleep on my feet, and I've got two cats sound asleep in front of the heater. And, yeah, when I'm done, I will get stuck into my words for the day. I'm quite excited about that. I've got a a book I'm about 30,000 words through, and, yeah, it's feeling really good. It's, yeah, it's, it's a very nice existence, I am not going to lie. So one thing that you would notice if you quit your day job is that if you have cats, uh, or if you have dogs, or any other kind of pet, they are going to be very, very happy to see you all the time. And they're going to get very used to it very quickly. So that's, uh, that's one thing to keep in mind. Just keep your cats really, really happy. So I thought, yeah, I thought first I'd talk about some of the really awesome things that I've found about quitting my day job, which I did in 2018, so I'm still relatively new at this, I have been a full-time writer for two and a half years, and I will definitely be a full-time writer at the end of this year, and we'll just, you know, we'll just kind of see how we go. I don't ever, ever, ever want to go back to a day job, um, but it is always there uh, as an option, in the back of my mind um, you know if uh, if things you know you just you don't you can't say what happens you don't really know what happens but we try to save a lot of money we you know we try to do things so that um, that is uh, you know not something that I will have to do in the future so before I quit my day job I worked as a copywriter in the tech industry for about five years uh, and then before that I was a Uh, a braille transcriber at a... um at the Foundation of the Blind, which is um, the organisation here in New Zealand that um, offers all the services for uh, blind and low-vision New Zealanders. And I used to make all the braille books and the large print books and things like that, so that people like me could have access to the kinds of texts that they wanted. And it was a really amazing job. I did that for six years. Uh, And before that, I was a failed archaeologist. So yeah, (laughs) that's me. Um, and yeah, so tech industry was really interesting to work in um, but uh, yeah it, really interesting, not for me though. Um, yeah not for me, but the writing that's for me. So let's talk about some of the awesome things about quitting your day job and about being a full-time author. Where not I actually quit. So I had this year where I had taken this new job and the job, was uh, it was a very big opportunity, um, and if I had stayed in the tech industry, it would have been my sort of stepping stone to perhaps becoming a manager, or you know, really kind of levelling up my career, so it was a really big opportunity, um, but the only thing was that um, I, I sort of I didn't really want a job, a new job. We were, I was working at a company that was basically imploding, and I needed to get out of there. And we were kind of thinking, maybe this is the time when you know she should just. I should just stay at home and you know kind of do my own thing and we'll just work out the money like it'll it'll work out my husband is very big on this he's always like it'll just work out we'll just sort it out and i'm a bit more stressful and a bit more sensible i guess you'd say so i was thinking we're still in the middle of building a house you know we're still kind of we've got these really big expenses at the time and and you know we I was thinking, yeah, it's, just, it's, it's, a, it's a bad time to be effectively starting a business and, you know, potentially losing a significant chunk of one of our incomes. And, uh, you know, because I was earning income from my fiction, but it was not equal to my salary. So... I an old um, boss from an old tech company job I had called me up and said, you know, I'm actually I've taken a new job. I'm starting a team. I wondered, you know, would you be interested in coming along? You know, because we'd worked together. You know, we we worked really well together. And I said, well, actually, yes, I would be. And I made some ridiculous salary demand, and he came back to me and said, yep, let's do it. Um, And it was kind of almost too good to be true, except that. Because I have this vision impairment, I can't uh, drive myself to work, and my husband and I live out in the middle of nowhere, uh, which is absolutely wonderful uh, for all reasons except for this one. Um, He drives to his office uh, every day, and it's about an hour each way. Uh, And then, in order to get to this new job, I would have to take a bus uh, from his office um, and then back to his office, which was something I've done for a number of years. Um, But it was further away than my current job that I had. So it was about, it would be about an hour and 45 minutes uh, travelling each way. Um, So quite a long commute, but doable. And I said, yeah, okay, let's do this. And then... The day before I started the new job, they emailed me and said, oh, by the way, don't know if we told you, but we've actually moved offices. Hope that's not too much of a problem. (laughs) And I went, oh, great. And so it turns out they'd moved their office further away from my husband's office and so i now had to take two buses in order to get there plus the hours drive each way my commute was now two and a half hours um to get from my house to the office Um, so a five hour round trip commute and i have been for the last few years i've been working from home um three days a week and going to the office two days a week um so that was really really nice, and this but new, this new office they wanted me to come in four days a week because they were quite a bit the company was quite a bit smaller and they, they had this kind of idea about the, the culture was going to you know be this sort of office focused like quite kind of fun kind of culture, and they wanted me to come in four days a week, so five hours commute a day, four days a week, and uh, kind of, went to my husband and and he was like just just quit the job and I was like no we can't quit the job we need the money and so we we sort of we agreed that this was it this was the end this will be the last job that I had and I would do it for a year because this five-hour commute was ridiculous and I would do it for a year and no longer um and then after a year I that's it I would I would be a full-time author and that realization that um That agreement that we had was a large part of what got me through that year um, with this five-hour commute. So uh, after a month, I basically broke down in tears in the middle of a meeting because I was so tired um, because, of course, this five-hour commute meant that I couldn't actually do eight hours of work in the office because I had to leave to get back to my buses, to get back to my husband. So I had to go home and then do like two two or three extra hours of work at home. So I, I was you know, working on the bus, I was trying to do all the stuff, and it was quite awful, so I broke down in tears <laughs> in that meeting, super professional, and they said I could go down to three days a week in the office, and it was a bit ridiculous, because I was a copywriter, so I would basically go to the office, then I would jam my headphones in my ear, because it was a um, you know communal office, open plan office, and everyone made noise, and I can't you know, needed to focus on my writing, so jam my headphones in my ears, and, you know, just get to work, and just ignore everyone, so, ugh, but anyway, anyway, so, I did the shop for a year and then while I was doing the job while we were finishing the house, so that gave us this year to finish the house and get comfortable with what our new expenses were because our mortgage was, you know, on the house is significantly more than, you know, any rental we'd ever had. So get used to our new expenses, um, save as much money as possible, um, and for me to build up my income over the year so that when I did quit it wasn't like this massive pay cut. And so that was the year I took on a bunch of freelance work and I you know, put this plan into place and I do all this stuff. And if you want to know about how to put a plan together so that you can quit your job in a year, I have a course. It's called The 12 Months to Full Time. And it is open right now. It's not open for very long. It's only open uh, for new students this week. Uh, And then I close it off and then I spend a bunch of time sort of really looking after the students that I've got in there. And I've got a couple of other things I need to do and then it'll open up later on. It may be more expensive when it opens up later on. So if you want to grab it, I would highly, highly recommend you do that. And you can go, you can grab it by, you can go to the website www.radicatesmanuscript.com and then under the courses drop down, you will see it there. So, um, uh, and I'll stick the link in the show notes as well. So, um, this week only, 12 months to full time. I go into extreme detail about the plan that I put together and about how you can put together your own plan and how you can take your your fiction writing and all your writing from a, you know, the point where you are to the point where you can literally hand in your resignation. So it's really, really exciting. Students are really loving it so far. Um, So I definitely, you know, come on board. I definitely recommend it. So yeah. So I put this plan together. And we, you know, it was really, really hard work, um, but we finally got to do it. We finally got to, you know, I finally got to hand in my resignation. I had written my resignation day in my calendar um, sort of months ahead because it was really nice to be able to look at that and, like, count down the days. It turns out I'd actually put it in <laughs> in a um, Calendar that was visible to other people um, in the office, so that was a super awkward thing. Um, only one person noticed, and they kind of messaged me privately and said, Hey, I just saw this. You, you know, people might have noticed it, um, but uh, um, you know, if that's you and if you're going to, off to write, you know, congratulations. So that was pretty cool. Um, but yes, don't do that, um, put it in a private calendar. <laughs> Definitely, put it in the private calendar. But yes, you can put your resignation day on the calendar, count it down, and it was was interesting. It was this really serendipitous week because it was the same day, um, it was basically my birthday. So I can't remember, I can't remember what day of the week was my birthday and what day of the week I actually left the office, but they were in the same week. um, So it felt like this real kind of celebration. So it was my birthday. And um, also, it was the same week where I released my book, um, The Castle of Earth and Embers, which was the first reverse harem book that I'd ever written. And it was my, at the time, it, immediately, because reverse harem was so big at the time, and there, there weren't that many authors writing it, it it instantly became the best-selling book I'd ever written. And the month that I released that book I basically earned about twice as much as I normally earned from my um, from my writing so I think I usually sat around the sort of the three thousand uh, a month mark or I had been at the time and suddenly I was at six thousand a month um, from from my writing and I had freelance work at the same time to- at the same time but yes yeah, so, so I sort of shot up about six thousand a month uh, the month that I'd earned in February the month that I quit my job and so it just felt like this big sign from the universe like yes you're on the right track you're doing the right thing you know onward and output it just felt amazing so when I so when I quit it felt so strange there was this this first week where I kind of I would get up in the morning and I was so excited and then I kind of come downstairs and it and it just all felt like It felt like there was somewhere else I was supposed to be, and I had to keep kind of... It was a sort of low-lying panic that I was supposed to be at work, I was supposed to be doing something I didn't enjoy, you know, this was this kind of illicit um, thing that I was doing, because, you know, I wasn't used to my writing being this, you know, this thing I got to do all the time, so it felt really illicit, and I had to keep sort of stopping and going, no, it's okay, This this is your life now. And it, it honestly, it's two and a half years in, and I still sometimes have to kind of step back and go, "This is your life now." Um, uh, yeah, it 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 really is pretty incredible, and I get a little bit teary eyed when I think about it. Um, yeah, it, it's it, it's been incredible, um, and I'm going to talk about some of the the downsides and some of the the pitfalls to be aware of, but really. Overall, on the whole, it's been amazing, and I feel like I have finally come home to the the thing that I'm supposed to do, and the person that I'm supposed to be, and I don't ever, ever, ever want to give it up. So, yeah, we shall see how we go. So, for the first year that I was uh, full-time, I had freelance work. And I had about four agencies that I was that were handing me work that I would do. So I wasn't really dealing with freelance clients. I well, I had you know I had these four agencies, but they would deal with the actual clients, and I would just focus on writing the articles. And I had done freelance work on the side for so long, for probably about a decade. Basically, ever since I left university, I've done freelance work on the side, and that meant that I can basically write an article really, really quickly. So I can do like a 500 word article in 20 minutes or so. And I can't do 500 word articles all day long. So I can't write, you know, 20 of them in a day because you just you just get over it. But I can, you know, do the work relatively quickly. Um, so, so that meant that I could kind of push out that freelance work in the morning and then I could focus on my books. And my aim was sort of generally during that first year was about 2,000 words on on my books a day. And you don't always hit that, but then sometimes you have days where you get like 5,000 words. So it kind of all works out. And the other thing that I decided really early on was that because I have spent... So much of my life doing work on the side, where I would work on the weekends. I would, you know, do a lot of fiction work on the weekends. When I started self-publishing, I do a lot of the self-publishing sort of actual marketing and kind of work on the weekends. And um, because I'd had this year where I'd worked so much and so hard, um, I decided that I would no longer be working weekends starting now. And I have not always been perfect at this because when you when you run your own business, sometimes shit just has to get done. And so sometimes you just you either you just need to finish something on the weekend or there's a little bit of an emergency and you've got to do it or you need to upload a book um, to Amazon on a Saturday in order to hit your pre-order deadline. Um, so sometimes stuff like that comes up, not not that often but sometimes. But generally, I have obeyed this rule. So I amended the rule after about a month and the rule is that I do not work on I, I do not work on weekends unless it is work I enjoy. And so this means that I am allowed to do writing on the weekends. I'm not allowed to do like marketing and website stuff and the kind of the, the, the work side of work. But because when you have a story in your head and you're desperate to get it down and I just love writing so much, it is, you know, it is a thing I really enjoy doing and I do enjoy doing it on the weekends. So I am allowed to do some writing on the weekends, but I can't use the weekends as like part of my plan. I can't be like... I'm to write this book in a month because I'm going to get 2,000 words every day on the weekends. Because I've got to set the weekends aside for fun times, for projects around the house, for hanging out with my husband, for all the stuff that, you know, for a number of years of my life, I probably, you know, didn't do enough of because I was spending so much time writing. So that is a rule that I have um, about not working on the weekends. Um, another rule that I have is that I set office hours. So, I basically work until my husband gets home, and then I try to round up um, the work that I'm doing, and after that, I don't work in the evenings, Um, I don't sit in front of TV at at work, sometimes sometimes I do, just again, because things have to get done, Um, but if I do it for too long, my husband taps me on the shoulder and goes, you're not supposed to be doing that, which is very good of him, so... That is, um, that's the rule that we have. So after that first year, I started to drop all of the freelance clients that I had, and I, I did it one at a time. So I, I started with the client that you know had the hardest work but paid me the lowest, and I you know gradually dropped and dropped and dropped um, until I, it was basically a year. After I started that I finally dropped, you know, I think it was actually that same week in February, actually, which is quite, you know, feels very, quite wonderful, actually, very full circle. So I think it was that last weekend in, in February that I dropped, a year later, that I dropped my final freelance client. And that felt really good. That, you know, that was never meant to be a long-term part of my plan. It was always a bridging thing so I I did the freelance work to bridge me to get out of the day job Um, now I still do some freelance work but I focus on freelance work that builds my brand so I do some I write some articles um, about writing and about publishing I do that kind of thing. I write some articles about the types of books that I write um, just to grow, to help sort of grow and establish my audience. So I do that kind of thing and I get paid for those articles, but it's a very small part of my overall business plan, but it is definitely part of it. And I do talk about this a lot in the 12 months to full time course about how freelance writing, how you can use it. Um, In order to, you know, to grow your business, in order to build your income, in order to build a sustainable career as a writer. After that first year, I didn't have the freelance work. So I got to really, you know, kind of boil into my schedule and, you know, figure out exactly what I was going to do with all this time that I suddenly had to uh, devote to my writing. So what I do is I I have a, a daily schedule and a kind of a weekly schedule. So my daily schedule looks a bit like this. I get up at about 6am, I come downstairs, um, I feed all the animals, um, and when I open my computer, one of the first things I do is I put, as I write down my, um, you know, my list for the day. And I just write, I, I have a, a kind of a rolling file, and this is my sort of to-do list file. And it just has a list of, you know, stuff I have to do, you know, takeovers I'm in, you know, promo I've booked for my books, just, like, little notes about things, it's, it's, it's got my, like, shopping list for the fortnight in it as well, it's just got kind of a rolling list of stuff I have to know, and I go to the top of the document, and I just write Monday at the top, if it's Monday, and I write down all the stuff that I plan on doing that day, and anything that's in my calendar, so like if I've got an interview or something like that, I write that down as well, so that all goes onto that, that list, and the list is usually about sort of 10 things long, I include stuff like my workout goes on the list, if I have to make a, a dinner, you know, dinner in advance, like if I'm slow cooking something, I put that on the list, you know, that, that kind of thing all goes on the list, so it ends up being about 10 things long. And when I am plating my word count for the day, so I usually try and write 4,000 words a day. I'm trying to increase that at the moment to about 5,000 words. Uh, and doing quite well actually. So when I do my word count, I do it in 1,000 word lots. So I write the title of the book and then I just write 1,000 next to it. All, you know, all the project if it's um, like a course project. And... I write those um, so they become so. If I'm doing four thousand words, that becomes four slots on my list, and then you know, and then effectively what I do is I work through the list and I delete the items off the list as they're done. If I have big projects that have to be doing, then I I continue to break them down into these small sections so that what what a thing can be crossed off in maybe an hour or half an hour or so, and then I can just delete it off the list. And I like deleting things off the list. Now, I usually don't get everything on the list done, um, but there's usually a couple of things that roll over, or I don't quite get all the word count done, and then, it, you know, it just it doesn't matter, I don't beat myself up about it, I just start again, same thing the next day. I sort of have a weekly schedules or weekly goals as well. Sometimes I write them down underneath my daily list so you know this week 20,000 words. Mostly I just keep them in my head. I'm quite good at holding these kind of details in my head. Um, I've seen a lot of writers who kind of have really great planners where they kind of do like a weekly plan on one page and then they've got their daily tasks on another page and stuff but I always find I started off with planners Uh, really well and then after like a month I just don't use them anymore. So you know when you're making schedules and you're doing planning you've always got to stick with something that you're actually going to use. I've also seen lots of people do really cool things like they use Trello boards to kind of shuffle things around and figure out plotting and stuff like that and it looks awesome and I'm like that's a genius idea. Tried it, did it for a week, haven't done it since. So So yeah don't do things that don't, you know, that you aren't going to follow up on. And I know myself, I know that things need to be super easy. I know that they really need to be on my computer because that's where I sit down to work. One thing I've sort of um, adhered to for a long period of time is something called three important things. And that is this idea that, you know, having a long to-do, super long to-do list can actually be quite paralyzing for people. And sometimes I find this, and when I'm in the mood where I feel like that, then, then the thing that I go back to is something called three important things. And that's where you choose three things that you're going to do for the day. And if you achieve those things, no matter what else you don't achieve, the day is a success. And so I always leave on the top of my to-do list for the day as I have three items. And those are the important items to get through that day. And that may be something like an interview. That may be something, you know, usually it's got at least a certain amount of words on my book. And it may be something else. But it's just the super, you know, I have to send my newsletter today. And if you achieve those three things, then you can call the day a success even if the other stuff doesn't happen. And that can be a really useful thing to use. One thing I get asked about a lot is about planning my book releases for the year. So I try to publish sort of usually between six to to eight books. Last year I actually published ten items, uh, although a couple of those items were quite short. So last year I actually published 10 things, but I sort of try to stick between 6 and 8. Um, honestly, I am actually quite relaxed about release planning. So I don't, you know, usually you're told you take a calendar and you plot out all the dates of your releases for the year, and that's what you do and you stick to those dates. Um, I don't do this. I have a list in my head Of the next books that I want to write. So, you know, often this is quite obvious. So, you know, I write in series, so obviously the next book of the series is going to be the next thing that I do. And I just do the next thing on the list. And I have a vague idea of when the book needs to be done. Um, You know, usually I've got more of a concrete idea because I put the damn thing on pre order, but I try to schedule my pre orders so I give myself a buffer of around sort of three weeks to a month because I very often get behind. Right now, because of COVID, Amazon is allowing you to push pre-orders out without losing your pre-order privileges, and I must admit I have thoroughly been taking advantage of that, uh, as have many other authors. So usually I try to stick to one series at a time, and I just go bam, 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 and I release all the books. This year I technically have three open series that I'm working on right now, Um, and I have been debating adding a fourth series uh, which I don't think I'm going to do. Now I'm not sure that this is a good idea and this is very much a do as I say not as I have done this year kind of conversation. I am about halfway through writing book two and what was supposed to be a duology so I was supposed to be you know, at least ticking this series off my list, but what I've just realized is that this book is not a duology, it's actually a trilogy. I just cannot fit the whole story into one book. And so I thought the end of the month I was going to have one of these series finished and it's, it's not happening. So yeah, sigh. The reason I have done this with the three open series is not really strategic at all. Um, what had happened was that I was writing Nevermore series, uh, Nevermore bookshop series, and I was going bam, 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 and I had done one, two, three, four, so up to book four, uh, all in a row. And then I had the idea for the Kings of Miskatonic prep. And the because it was such a, a trendy book and you know the timing was really important, I rushed through that book. I, I decided not to leave it until I'd finished Nevermore, which at the time needed two more books, books five and book six. So I decided to release it then, and then because that book did so well, I set aside Nevermore, and I focused on finishing the Kings of Miskatonic prep series. And so I finished that the fourth book in January. I think I started in around May, and I finished the fourth book in January, and then I had, you know, I know immediately that one of the projects I have to work on that year is I have to go back to Nevermore. Um... So, I've got two more books and Nevermore to finish. But the thing is, is that I had this Miskatonic series, and it was, you know, a certain kind of reader was really interested in that. And what I thought I would do is try and be really strategic and create a series where I could funnel the readers who'd finished Miskatonic into a similar series um, so that I could kind of keep them hanging around because Nevermore is, you know, it's still paranormal, it's still definitely my voice, but it is a bit different. So, that's what I tried to do. So, I started the Mandalay Academy series, hoping that, you know, thinking it was really strategic, thinking that those readers would swap over. And, basically, what happened is they didn't do that. Like, a few of them did, but definitely not as many as I expected. And we're going to talk about this more later in the episode. So, I released Nevermore, and I, sorry, not, so I released the Mandalay Academy, the first book, and I put a massive advertising budget behind it, and it didn't really light the world on fire. And, uh, but I knew you know, now I've got to finish it, so I did the first Mandalay book, and then I did the next Nevermore book. And then I was going to do the second Mandalay book, and then I had this idea, and it came to me in a dream, and I woke up in the morning, and I was so excited about it, but I was like, no, it's, it's a terrible idea, I, I don't know, and it's, it's a contemporary book, it's not a paranormal book, and I write paranormal books, and so I, I messaged all my writer friends and said, I've got this idea, and I think it's a terrible idea, or it's a brilliant idea, and they all said, it's a brilliant idea, you should write it, so I did. And I honestly think that is probably one of the best books I've ever written. It's called My Stolen Life, and um, it very much appeals to that sort of that similar audience that that enjoyed Miskatonic. Um, once again, you know, I released it. Didn't exactly like The World on Fire, um, but I feel as though. I feel as though with this series, um, because I am not established as a contemporary author, all it really needs is a bit of time for more people to read it. And it needs me to work a bit harder on advertising so I get it in front of the right people. And that's what I'm focused on at the moment. And I feel like, yeah, I feel like with that series, it just needs a little bit of time. And I think it's going to find its audience. And I think it's going to be quite good. So that's how I ended up with three open series and you know I know all these series need future books um and so I have this rough I have this list in my head and it's I I want to write five more books this year which is a lot of books but I think I can do it and so at the moment I'm working on book number one which is Mandalay book two it was only supposed to be four books but now Mandalay has another book so that makes it five and then next the next book I'm going to work on is um the second book in the My Stolen Life series, which is called My Secret Heart, and then after that I need to write the third Mandalay book, the third um, Stolen Life book, and the sixth Nevermore book, which is on pre-order for October. Now I don't know the order I'm going to write those books, I'm going to figure that out at the time. And this is how I do my release list, is that I have the books in my head that I'm going to have to write. It's sort of a rough plan for the rest of the year, but the plan can change. And I I like that, and that's how I like to work. This conversation, it kind of brings me um, around to talk about some of the the, the not-so-awesome things about being a full-time writer. So right now I'm dealing with quite a biggie on that list, which is the existential axed. Because I wrote a hit series last year, the Kings of Biscaa Prep, I made, I made a lot of money. I made about $250,000 and that is amazing and I'm still kind of in awe about that and uh, you know I'm not telling you that number to show off. I'm telling you that number because you know I'm trying to be real here and you know we're trying to talk about about this stuff. So I made $250,000 which is just wow. and I made that off my fiction. And then what happened was that in January, Miskatonic finished, and then suddenly, poof, all those readers who read that series disappeared. I see so many authors, you know, because I spend a lot of time looking at other people's case studies and what other people were doing, and I see so many authors and it feels like their career appears to go in this like upward straight line trajectory, you know, they have a hit and then suddenly everything after that, you know, they've got those readers for life. And so everything after that just gets exponentially bigger and exponentially better. You know, even if they close off that hit series, they've still got those readers. But for me, that has not been the case. And I have done a lot of work trying to get readers who've read Miskatonic to go to my other series, which are you know, quite well planned to you know, appeal to those readers. I have fiddled with a Back Matter, I've done different kinds of advertising, I have done all kinds of things. Now, definitely some of those readers have stuck around. Um, because I am selling more, so if you look at my graph, and you look at what I was selling per month before Miskatonic, and what I'm selling per month now, it is definitely more, but it is definitely not the money I was making with Miskatonic, and uh, it, it, it definitely feels like less of those readers have stuck around than I would have expected. And this is the downside of what we call writing to trend, because Miskatonic was an exceptionally trendy series. It happened to hit the market right as this trend was, was growing. So right as these readers were desperate for more books, but there were not more books. And so I hooked them all really early and they had to finish the series because you know that's what they're like what's what readers like. But you know, by the time the series finished, the Miskatonic had probably really veered off into the unknown a bit. Um, it was probably too paranormal. It's probably a little bit too weird for the readers who, you know, really kind of solidified halfway through the trend that what they wanted was really contemporary books. Readers who read, you know, trends. Readers who who want a particular flavor of the moment um, at a particular moment. They just want more, 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 more right now. Um, they just want that thing and they don't really care about your other stuff that, you know, isn't that thing, and by the time you finish your series, which even if you write fast, is still like six months or something like that, um, many of those readers have moved on to the, the new flavor, and so, you know, so actually, when you rely on readers to pay your bills and to feed your family like I do, you kind of take this quite personally like it feels like this betrayal like why don't you love me where are you come back i've got candy this is something i hadn't really anticipated um you know i i I never really expected to to feel like this about a series and i mean part of that is because i never really expected to have a hit quite like this but yeah i i always felt like the career was kind of this this upward trajectory, you know, you you did really well, and then you, you just, you kept doing really well, because everything just slowly builds on itself. And that is what I had experienced, you know, over the, the you know, the, the three previous years of myself publishing, um, was that, you know, each book I published tended to build on the other books. How did I deal with this Existential angst. and How am I dealing with it? Um, I I am still dealing with it. I you know do have days where I kind of feel a bit down about the whole thing, and I I have days where I I just don't care, and I'm, I'm just like you know it doesn't matter. In the past, onward and upward. And so some things that I've been doing is I I have really doubled down on what my brand is and who are the readers that I serve in the long term. And so not just thinking about chasing the trends and about what's the next trendy thing, but really dubbing down on what it is that makes me really unique. I can't fit anything more into this here because I've got to finish these series, these open series, because part of what my brand is is giving people finished work. So what I've done is I've I, I, yes I've really doubled down on my brand and I've started planning for next year and thinking about much more evergreen series, I'm thinking of potential breakout books. I'm really seriously uh, considering moving away from Reverse Harem next year, not giving it up completely because I love it, but releasing a more traditional paranormal romance series alongside my Reverse Harem. And the other thing that I am looking quite seriously at doing this year is I'm trying to learn advertising. And this is the thing that I'm working on right now. And I have started with one thing, one thing only, not overwhelming myself, and I'm doing AMSNs. And I'm using free content online to just figure out what works and what doesn't and what what different people recommend and how to manage them on an ongoing basis. Um, and I, I've already had a little bit of success here. And once I've figured everything out, I am going to come back and we are going to talk so much about AMS hats. Um, because, you know, I, I can see that if I can spend 10% of what I'm earning and I can dramatically increase my income, then you know, that will go a long way towards soothing this existential ang- angst because I have a big catalogue. My books are relatively commercial. There is a relatively big audience out of there. I'm just not getting my books in front of them because I am behind on advertising and you know perhaps this is what will help me, what will help push me back up towards those miscatonic numbers but with my whole catalogue and that's more of a long term solution other things that I'm doing is I spend a lot of time talking to my husband about this, Um, he is really wonderful to talk to because he is quite pragmatic um, and you know he often just kind of shut me down with a, like, you know, you turned 10 grand last month, you know, don't <laughs> so you can't sit here and talk to me about, you know, feeling like this, you know, it's just, it's silly, and um, sometimes that is exactly what you need to hear, um, sometimes you just need a hug, and you just need someone to acknowledge that, yes, you feel this way, but just because you feel that way doesn't mean it's actually the truth. Um, and I think that's really important. I also talk to my friends and I talk to people who, you know, encourage me and, you know, think I'm awesome and remind me that, yeah, it's it's a long-term thing. This is a, a blip um, and, you know, things are improving. My, you know, my career trajectory is on an upward arrow. It's just had this big kind of spike in the middle and this you know i'm on the lower end of the spike now but there's the still the trend is upward and we're all about we're all about long term we're all about that long-term trend and it's just about talking really sensibly to yourself uh, to manage your own expectations and you know about not measuring things month to month but looking at that bigger picture Another thing that I found that's really helped is that I'm spending a lot less time on Facebook. uh, And part of that is because of this, you know, I'm just feeling like I'm comparing myself to other people too much. I've got to stop doing that. And the other part is that Facebook is a bit of a cesspool of humanity at the moment because of COVID and um, other things. And, you know, it's just sometimes it's just better for your mental health to just disengage for a bit. So I've been doing that a bit. Um, other things that people can struggle with when you're a full-time author, uh, and, and of course the big one is um, you know loneliness um, and um, feeling sort of isolated. So I don't struggle with this as much as I expected. Um, I am an introvert, I do actually love being home, and the longer I stay at home, the more I love it. Um, but sometimes you can be at home for too long, and I think a lot of people are experiencing this because of the lockdowns all over the world, uh, and yeah, I I think, you know, it's given a few people, um, the knowledge of, you know, how they like to work and how they don't like to work and how they, you know, how they want to live and don't want to live. Um, things that I do, I do have phone calls with friends, so not, um, you know, not, um, Text message and conversations for actual phone calls And that is so wonderful The other thing is to just go out and do things Um, like, sounds simple, but, you know Um, last week I had a friend who also runs a business Um, she came up to my house for a day And, you know, we talked business And we sorted out some stuff for, for her company And, you know, she measured me for a belt that she's making me And we had a great day Um, and uh, next week I have to go into the city to do a chore. So there's a thing at the museum where they're giving tours of the, like, the underground of the museum where they keep all the artifacts and I'm going on that tour. So, you know, go and do things. And when you do do things, be very present. So don't spend all that time looking at your phone. Don't spend that time thinking about your books. Um, try to disengage from all that stuff and just focus on where you are, being on your body, how you feel, having fun, learning something new all that stuff. Uh, one thing I know that I need is I need adventures to look forward to. Um, so I always need to have something in the future where I'm kind of getting excited about it because I, I love anticipation it's been quite hard with covid because i had all these adventures planned i was going um, overseas it was three times this year um for you know for speaking and for conferences and just super fun stuff and then all of that got cancelled and so all my adventures got cancelled um and what i've had to do is uh make new adventures um, and they are different adventures and they are adventures around New Zealand and I completely understand that I come at this from a place of privilege because I live in New Zealand and you know, obviously for the moment we are pretty sweet on the whole Covid thing so um, I get to have adventures and, and some people don't have that option um, but I think there are definitely ways. Um, you know, even if you are still trapped in lockdown, or you know, you foresee that for a long time in the future, um, yeah, is to just make sure you figure out what works for you and what you need, and uh, find a way to make that happen. So that's probably all I think I have to say about being a full-time writer uh, and what it's like, and the upsides and the downsides. Um, it, I think it would be really fun to revisit this in a year or uh, you know a few years time. Uh, hopefully, I'm still doing the podcast then. I'd like to still be doing the podcast then, and you know see if if I've changed or if there's new things that I've learned because I think there, you know there's always going to be things that you learn. So, yeah. Um, if you've really enjoyed this and you think yes, this is a life for me. This is exactly what I want. I want to be a full time author. Then I highly recommend you join the 12 months to full-time course that I'm running. So this course, it's super awesome. It's going to help you build and execute your plan for success, your plan to quit your day job in a year's time each month you're going to be adding another block to that wall of awesomeness as you build towards your quitting date. You're going to tackle your career in actionable chunks. Um, Every month there's uh, monthly audio lessons um, which I've done which are focusing on a different aspect of your business. And if you go to the link that I post you'll see all the different uh, subjects for the different months. You're going to be able to zero in on what's working and do more of it. So learning how to take stock of your strengths of the things that you do really well, to make quick wins so you you know you get the motivation to keep going um, and to to kind of leave the things that aren't working for you. Um, And all that is part of building your plan for success. You're going to be able to track results with the worksheets that I've added. Um, So each lesson includes downloadable worksheets to help you to see the results, to track the results and to hit your goals faster. And you're going to be able to get feedback on your plan and your process. So throughout the course, I offer um, Q&A sessions. So you're able to, there's a space where you can ask questions and talk about your own books and your you know, your own plan. And then in the Q&A audio, I will um, answer all the questions. And so this is sort of the only time when you can really kind of ask me specific questions about your specific you know, your specific genre, your specific plan. So if you're asking yourself, is this the year that I become a full-time author? Then this is a course for you. It's open right now. It's only going to be open this week. Uh, so I highly recommend go down, click on the link, or go to www.rageagainsthemanuscript.com and click on 12 months to full-time and come and join us. You are going to love it. That's all from me today. Thank you so much for listening and happy writing.